Take away the world's desires when we pray. Holy Spirit, lift us higher when we pray. When we pray. When we pray. Let it not be for a season when we pray. Give us wisdom and a reason when we pray. Let your name be our petition when we
the church. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I come before you, Lord, recognizing that you are supreme in authority. Your power is great in the heavens and the earth, and your anger is shown against all wickedness and the evil imagination of men. Father, I boldly approach your throne yet again, this time asking for grace and mercy for your bride, the church. Your word says that judgment shall begin at the house of God, so let the church bear the greatest indictment because your invisible works are clearly seen, demonstrating your eternal power and divine nature. All men are without excuse. Yet through hypocrisy, we have given place to your enemies to blaspheme your great and holy name. Because of our perversion and deceitfulness, which brings shame to your name, they question whether we are really your children. For this cause, Lord, we are guilty and bear the greater burden. We have been weighed in the balance and been found wanting yet we refuse to change our path. We have been deliberate in our great trespass before you, Lord, and we are not hidden from your sight. We have provoked you to anger with our foolish and unwise behavior, being spiritually blind and naked, allowing the world to see our shame. Heavenly Father, because you are a God of mercy and great compassion, we come before you in humility that you may examine our ways. We come before you confessing that if we humble ourselves and pray, seek your face, and turn from our wicked ways, then will you hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that your hands are not shortened that they cannot save, nor your ear heavy that it cannot hear. We stand before you, Lord, to answer the indictment that has been laid against us, and pray that through repentance our sins will be forgiven. For we have done wicked things in your sight, even rebellion against your commandments and your continued reminders and warnings. In the name of Jesus, we acknowledge our shortcomings and weaknesses, seeking to be washed in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. For we were called to be the salt of the earth, a people that would bear witness to your name, follow your examples, live by your commandments, and set a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane. Instead, our hearts have been pierced with the desires of the world, and we have adopted their ways, chasing after materialism and lust and compromising your standards. We have not sought you for who you are, but for what you can give and how much we can get. We have allowed worldliness into your church and created unholy alliances with the world, calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil, while refusing to take a righteous stand. We have sought validation from the world and coveted the admiration of men who have perverted your statutes for selfish gain. We have shown them all that is in your sanctuary, giving access to thieves and robbers who now make merchandise of your sheep and a mockery of your name. We have failed to protect the innocent, neglected the cries of the poor, and watched as families are being destroyed. We have not sanctified you in the eyes of the people, becoming powerless gift chasers who adorn the things on the outside while failing to address the evil within. We have compromised your word by seeking popularity and friendship with the world, choosing to entertain the masses with our talents and gifts while watering down your word and speaking fables instead of convicting people to change. We stand idle as the innocent are snatched from the womb while we defend the guilty giving them place on your stage. We are consumed with the pursuit of wealth, 
while at the same time we are robbed of morality, dignity, and holiness. Through compromise and exploitation, we have lost our influence. Through sermonettes and motivational speeches, we have catered to itching ears. And through hypocrisy and double standards, our pulpits have been stripped of power and authority. We have even embraced the lifestyles of this world and distorted the meaning of your love instead of preaching the sovereign design and plan of God. We have lost our way, Lord, and given over to the cares of this life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, forgive us, Father, for we bombard your throne with selfish prayers while the world around us declines and decay, drifting further and further away from you. We have been mesmerized by the lust of the world and desensitized by its influences while engaging in unspeakable acts, adultery and fornication, abortions, drunkenness, promiscuity, hatred and insensitivity, drug use, blasphemies, idolatry, man lying with man, women lying with women. We defile ourselves by flooding our minds with pornography, immorality and lust and other kinds of sexual perversion. We have neglected our children and not taught them your ways, putting success and riches before love and direction. We have allowed our marriages to grow cold, harbored unforgiveness, and refused to show affection, while opening the door for the enemy to wreak havoc in our families. We have become a lukewarm church, lacking holiness and obedience to your word, even denying your name, Lord, and abandoning the cross. We have allowed false prophets to operate in the church while embracing false gods and religions. We are in a backslidden state and confess our sins before you. We were all born into this world with something to surrender, but so many of us have refused to let go, choosing to embrace our fallen nature by making excuses for sin, as opposed to trusting your word for deliverance and healing. In doing so, we have denied the power of the cross and the delivering authority of your resurrection. We go down in the water, but never come up, sinking further and further into the depth you gave your life to conquer. We have titles without meaning, performances without actors, services without substance, and buildings that are lifeless when it comes to the real power of God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we repent, Lord, and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, let your anger and fury be held back, and let your mercy fall upon us as we repent of our wicked deeds and turn back to you. Let us once again be the people you have chosen to show yourself strong in the earth, and through our examples and trusting your word, the world will once again look to the church for salvation and demonstration of the true power of God. Lord, please hear our cry, incline thine ear, and behold our frail state, that we may eagerly approach your throne with boldness and have confidence at your appearing. Your word says that you will never leave or forsake us, and we come to you by faith, knowing that without faith it is impossible to please you. Deliver us from the guilt of the past and wipe away all condemnation, for through our sin we have given the enemy access to our lives and the legal right to carry out his diabolical plan of destruction against us. But now, Lord, through repentance, his rights have been revoked. In the name of Jesus, we denounce Satan and his demonic forces of evil and his rebellion against the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, he loses all rights to torment, deceive, destroy, afflict, and manifest himself in the lives of your people and we sever all ties, cooperation, agreement, conspiracy, and relationship with the world and the world system. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we command Satan to loose every stronghold, demonic manifestation, 
false belief, vice, grip, addiction, spell, and curse right now according to the word of God. We choose you, Lord, and the finished work of the cross, and want no part of Satan and the temptations of this world. I declare right now that we are loosed in your precious name. Lord, we renew our covenant and commitment to you and exercise our choice to faithfully serve you with all of our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In the name of Jesus, we make a conscious choice to turn back to you and once again follow after your statutes and commandments and pledge our undivided service and devotion to you. But we have been bought with a price and serving you is our reasonable service. So help us, Lord, to be lights in this world, ambassadors of the Most High God, and instruments of righteousness, representing your will and not our own. I pray, Lord, that our hunger and thirst for you is never quenched, and that you give us both to will and to do your good pleasure, that we as a church may fulfill the calling and purpose that you have spoken over our lives. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we denounce the pleasures of this world, false doctrine, and all forms of spiritual adultery. We pray that you expose the synagogue of Satan operating behind church walls, every lying and deceitful spirit, and demons operating as the angels of light. Let us not worship or reverence anyone or anything but the true and living God, and drive out the spirit of Antichrist. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that you remove all doubts and bring revelation to every distortion of the truth, and that we drive out the spirit of Jezebel that teaches fornication, lust, and idolatry that her curse, seduction, and influence be broken and bound right now in the name of Jesus and erased from the hearts and minds of your people. I ask, Lord, that the depths of Satan operating in the church be exposed and driven out in Jesus' name, that we no longer defile ourselves through the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, hating all evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Grant us spiritual discernment that we are not deceived, let us examine the fruit of a man and not be gift chasers led astray by talents, gifts, and charisma. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that the church will once again be known for its good works, love, faith, dedication, patience, and compassion to all men. That we hate the sin but love the sinner, understanding that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Let us love according to the word of God, standing on the truth preaching the word in and out of season and making no provision for the flesh, while understanding that grace is not an excuse for sin and a justification for heaven. Help us, Lord, to minister without compromise to those seeking the truth and be found without spot or wrinkle, boldly proclaiming the truth of Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let us live and reign with Christ, clothed with holiness and abiding in his presence through eternity. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I speak life into your church and come against all dead things. Let our branches bring forth fruit in their season and our roots be nourished by the waters of life. Let us be called and set apart, chosen and faithful, serving as kings and priests in your kingdom, knowing that we are in the end times, that we be not lulled to sleep by the passing of days, nor deceived by scoffers who deny your coming, but that we are watchful and that day does not overtake us as a thief in the night. We are pilgrims in the earth, and this is not our home. So we look forward to the rapture and second coming of Christ, having faith that the promises of God shall come to pass. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we hold fast to our belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by you, and that we never lose our boldness and passion for the Most High God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that we are not weary in well-doing, 
and that we have a desire to spend quality time in your word and in fellowship with you. That we neglect not the fellowshipping of the saints as we are one in the body of Christ and sealed by the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. That we may all faithfully walk in the calling and purpose we have been given, pressing toward the mark and high calling of Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are able to keep that which we have committed unto you against that day, and that nothing we have done is in vain, but all things are accounted to our heavenly account that we may be rich towards God. Lord, let us run this race with patience, looking unto you who has endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before you, that our names be confessed before the Father and written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray, Lord, that we are steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the love of God, that we may receive a crown of life promised to those who endure unto the end. Now unto God, who knows the beginning from the end, who is our shield in time of trouble, and who causes us to endure the fiery furnaces of life, we give you honor and praise. We proclaim and ascribe greatness to your name, for your deeds are perfect and all that you do is just and fair. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and cause darkness to flee in the presence of light. I pray, Lord, that we demonstrate our gratitude for all that you have done by keeping your commandments. For your word says, Obedience is better than sacrifice, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let your word be a light unto our path, revelation in darkness, and our blueprint for all matters pertaining to this life and the one thereafter. It is through you, Heavenly Father, and the power of your might, that one could chase a thousand and two could put ten thousand to flight. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. These things I ask and pray and affirm in Jesus' great and holy name. Amen. 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 And good evening and welcome once again to LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetbang. And we're talking about end time Bible study. End time Bible study coming at you once again. Yes, once again. We're going to be talking about how God speaks to us today. Yes. I think we all need to know that. We just think he speaks just in his word. But we're going to talk about how he speaks to us today. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last of these days he has spoken to us in the person of his Son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds, and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Amen. Amen. Yes, he did. You know, for some people, God is a far-off power who created a world a long time ago. But he is no longer involved in what happens here. Well, that is not how God is described in the Bible. Instead, the Bible pictures him to be a loving father who takes a very close interest in his people. Yes, he does. That's right. He's the covenant God. Yes, you can't believe that 
Because why would you pray to someone that no longer takes interest, a, in, his people. interest in his people? It doesn't make sense to pray to something that you don't believe that has no interest in what's going on now. Exactly. We know, we know that God tries to establish a union between himself and the people who were made in his image. Words cannot describe well who and what God is, but the Bible is very clear in showing God as a good communicator to his people. You know, as soon as Adam was created, God spoke to him. Immediately after Adam sinned, God called to Adam, where are you? Yes. And that was in Genesis chapter 3, 9. And ever since, God has spoken to humans in different ways, just like we said in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Even on the final page of the Bible, we find this to be true in God's appeal. Let's go to Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The Holy Spirit and the Bride the church, the true Christian, say, come. And let who, him who is listening say, come. And let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come. Take appropriate and drink the water of life without cost. So there he is. He said, come, in Revelation twenty-two, seventeen. Now we're going to find out more and look at different ways God speaks to us today. In many ways. Many, many, many ways. ways. We, we don't hear because we don't listen. Mm. We don't listen. We got to be still so we'll know that God is God. got to be still so we can hear God speak. In other words, what you're saying, the God who spoke the world into life speaks to all who are willing to listen. That's right. That's right. right. Let's go to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. And we're going to read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay. Psalm chapter 19, starting with verse 4. 1. Sorry. No, one, one, okay. Psalm, like that, one, chapter 19, 19, with verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows and proclaims His handiwork. Day after day pours forth speech, and night after night shows forth knowledge. There is no speech nor spoken word from the stars. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice and evidence goes out through all the earth. They're saying to the end of the world, of the heavens has God made a tent for the sun. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament. Romans Chapter 1, starting at verse 18. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made his handiwork. So men are without excuse altogether, without any defense or justification. So in other words, God has surrounded us with beautiful things of nature to keep us busy and interested and interested in what? Life. Life. Things life. that were created before man was even created. Things that have life. That has life within itself that we had nothing to do with. It. That life, it grows right before your eyes. It takes water. It takes the same thing that it takes for us. It takes that. We got to have the water, the right. sunlight, Sunshine. Yeah. the flowers, and the grass, and the trees have to have water and sunlight. So it is God's plan that we should connect the beauty of nature with his goodness. With his goodness, right. So if we faithfully study the book of nature... We should find it very helpful in understanding the never-ending love and power of God. Well, one thing I love about the um, each season is wonderful. It's beautiful. Spring is a new beginning, and everything starts blooming and coming back to life. I love that. Each season has its reasons for existing. And the sun. Whether we like it or not. That's right. Winter has its reason. Spring, summer, fall. They all have the reason for existing. Like you said, the spring is the very beginning of life coming back. That's right. And uh, summer is full bloom. Everything is shining, so beautiful. The flowers are blooming constantly. And fall, they start going back to sleep. But you also have the beauty of the trees changing colors. It is just gorgeous the way the seasons do. And if you're living in a city where there's not all four seasons, you know, you're missing something beautiful. Oh, you're you're missing something real beautiful you're when you missing. live in the city. You have you have nothing to look at but concrete buildings and oh and black top streets and concrete streets and con- I guess concrete gutters. Not nothing to look at but God have created all His creation, nothing His handiwork. Right. In the wintertime, the snow, which and the ice on the trees, it's just so much to speak to us but are we listening so you know those who believe in the bible will be supported in their beliefs for example when they look at the starlit sky or see the giant trees in the forest and the beauty 
of the setting sun behind snow-covered mountaintops, they are seeing the works of a loving and powerful creator. Oh, that's right. That's amen. And, and that's what we're saying. If you don't live in a country, uh, you can't appreciate that. Appreciate the beauty. You can't appreciate that. You really can't. Because when you live in the city, all you see is tall buildings that blocking God's sun. Handiwork. That's uh, right. You, you don't get. You don't. The fog doesn't lift until noon. Not noon. Yes. You, you don't get to appreciate the beautiful sky, the sun. At the moon, these things are hidden Stars, from it. it's hidden so from it because there's too much light in the city. Right, all you get to see is what man has created until noontime. And then you're inside uh, working, doing your job, uh, at your job, and you miss all the beautiful nature that God has created for man to enjoy. And also, you know, when you see the eagle, in the sky, the birds that singing every morning admire a tulip. Or think about the wonders of the human body. We see proof of God's unseen power and agree that nature show the glory of God. That's right. God made no mistake in anything that he made. He knew what he was doing and he made what he wanted, he wanted to make. In the order that he made it in. Amen on that. But you know, the verses goes a step further. They also suggest that nature helps non-believers see God's power that made all the wonderful things in the world. In today's world, many people close their eyes to this truth. They have been brainwashed by evolution. Evolution. And uh, want to explain that everything was made by accident. Well, that's right. a fool to believe right. that. Right, that's a fool to believe that. And man himself wasn't made by accident. Neither was woman. That's right. Amen. They were not made by accident. Well, let me put it this way. Do if baby? accident done that, wow. Right. That's wow. all I can say. Wow. Do babies come by accident? No, they okay. don't. They Only don't from not. the parents' point of view. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not through the providence of God. Okay. But more and more thinkers are admitting that there is so much proof of God's design. Because it is. Yes, it is. You can even ask yourself a simple question. What is the best reason for the beauty of life? pure chance, or a planned out creation. You know, we just read what right there in Psalm 19, 1 through 4, and Romans chapter 1, 18 through 20. God is in nature. He is Every nature. day, all day. All day. Forevermore. Forevermore. God is in everything. Everything. Everything you touch, see, feel, he's in it. If he wasn't, you couldn't touch it. If he wasn't, you couldn't feel it. And it's amazing how, and that's correct, how a tree or even grass turns brown or the tree loses all the leaves. And it, it looks like it's dead. But then when spring, you start seeing the, the budding of the tree and the different changes. It's alive. Well, I tell you what. 
If he was, then I don't know how in the world a cow could eat green grass and give a white milk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but they do. But they do. <laughs> but you know, we're going to go to uh, the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 42. So I, I, <laughs> Genesis 42. All right, 42. He, he jumped on me there. Didn't tell yeah, me I did, going I did. Yeah, didn't tell 42, me. 42, we're going to start in verse 18. Okay, 18. He said you jumped, jumped, jumped all the way back to didn't, didn't creation. Okay, <laughs> didn't tell me you was going. We're going to go, we're going to read 18 through 23. And Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live. I reference and fear God. If you are a true man, let one of your brothers be bound in your prison. But the rest of you go and carry grain for this weekend with hunger in your households. But bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall live. And they did so. And they said to one another, we are truly guilty about our brother. For we saw the distress and anguish of his soul when he begged us to let him go, and we, and we were not here. So this distress and difficulty has come upon us. Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy, and you were not here? Therefore, behold, his blood is required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. So, conscience. Conscience is sometimes explained as the inward principle, rule, that helps us decide between right and wrong. Even those who do not believe in God usually have some knowledge of what is right or wrong. And that is true. We're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. When Gentiles who have not the divine law do inst instinctively what the law requires, they are a law to themselves since they do not have the law. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts and are operating there with which their conscience, sense of right and wrong, also bear witness and their moral decisions, their arguments of reason, their condemning or approving thoughts will accuse or perhaps defend and excuse them. Hmm. That's right. So the Christian believes that God is the greatest lawgiver and that he has put in every man a conscience. But yeah. sin had he has. Yeah, you got a conscience and subconscious. Yes. That right tells there. us right mm -hmm. or wrong. Right. You got one that you store in and you have one to think with. Mm -hmm. To think. To know right and wrong. So we all ten. have a conscience. That's right. We all have one. But you know, but sin has made dull this God-given tool for making wise decisions on moral issues. In most Bible translations, we do not find the word conscience in the Old Testament, but it appears many times in the New Testament. 
But whether or not the word conscience is used, the ideal is always in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Um, let's go to John chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. John chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning at dawn, he came back into the temple, which is the court, and the people came to him in, in crowds. He sat down and was teaching them. When the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, they made her stand in the middle of the court and put the case before him. Teacher, they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such women, offenders, should be stoned to death. But what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? Then they said to try, test him, hoping they might. Well, man, okay. They might find charges. That they might find charges on which to accuse him. But Jesus stopped, stooped down, and wrote on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted with their question, he raised himself up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground with his finger, and they listened to him, and then they began going out, conscience-stricken, one by one, from the oldest down to the last one of them, till Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Now, I, you know, I assume Jesus writing each and every and one of their sins sin on the ground. Yeah. Even the men that had been with that same woman at night. So why stone one and not the other? Right. He was writing each and every one of their sins on the ground. Correct. That's why he, he, that. he started out writing, he stopped, and then he finished. And all of their sins were written before their eyes. Even the ones that had been with her that night, the night before, the early part of the week, the ones that, all of their sins were put before their eyes. That's why when he raised back up, there wasn't anybody. That's right. He so told he us said, go and well, sin no more. That's right. My, my, he said, where are thou sin? Accused uh, mm -hmm. He said, I have not. He said, well, go and sin no, no more. That is correct. Now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read 3, 4, and 5 verses. Matthew chapter 27, 3, 4, and 5. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, Judas was afflicted in mind and troubled for his former folly, and with remorse, with little more than a selfish dread of the consequences, he brought, he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. They replied, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And cast the pieces of silver forward into the holy place of the sanctuary of the temple. He departed and went off and hung himself. His conscience got to him. Yeah, 
It's conscious. So our conscience yeah. is important. Yeah, it's well, like we said before, it's the thing that God gets you to let you know when you are doing right or wrong. Yeah, conscience means knowledge or sense of right or wrong with an urge to do right, moral judgment. But you know what also? It's not always trustworthy either. No. So we no. notice that people in good conscience often come to very different decisions about what to do in certain situations. That's right. But if you have Jesus, the All Holy right, Spirit, is sitting there on your shoulders saying, no, no, Robert, no, 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 don't do that, you know that's wrong. Now, that's when you got to be quiet so mm -hmm. you can hear the Holy Spirit speak and tell you that is the wrong thing or the wrong way to go. That's right. You know, Paul knew this to be true. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Chapter 4 and, and verse 4. 4. I am not conscious of anything against myself, and I feel blameless. But I am not vindicated and acquitted before God on that account. It is the Lord himself who examines and judges me. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. It Amen. is the Lord who judges me. So Amen. Paul also warns that we can refuse to accept the pull of our conscience. In fact, some people appear to have burned their conscience with a hot iron. Let's look at <laughs> first. First Timothy chapter four and verse two. Yeah. First Timothy four and verse two. That's something to help us, Lord. First Timothy chapter four and verse two. Through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars who whose conscience are seared, cauterized with a hot iron. Wow. Oh, that means that means I have twisted you, them. You're stuck. <laughs> That's all I can say. You're stuck. You can't go nowhere but continue to do what? Lie. That's right. Let's go to Titus also, chapter 1 and verse 15. Yes, you can't do nothing. Chapter 1, verse 15. Chapter 1, 15. To the pure in heart and conscience, all things appear, but to the defiled and corrupt, and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their very minds and conscience are defiled and polluted. Mm. Mercy. I said, you're stuck. You can't get you're out. You're right, you're right there. That you, that means you believe your own lies. And the best lie in the world is one who believes his own lies. Well, they all twisted and messed up. Oh, man. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> But there are ways of making one's conscience sharper. And that is being closer to God by a regular reading of his word and by prayer will make us more sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who can speak to us through our conscience. Amen. 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 Thank God for that. Thank God Thank for, the, God Holy for the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said he would not leave us helpless and alone, that he would leave yes. us a, a comforter. That's a right. Comforter. Somebody to be with us to help us. 
help us out because I tell you, we would have been in bad shape if we'd been left here all by ourselves. Because we definitely burn our conscience with mm-hmm. a hot iron. Oh, we squatch it. It would have been burnt before now. We squatch it. <laughs> we squatch it. Yes. Well, we're going to take a break and play a song. We want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing End Time Bible Study where we're talking about how God speaks to us today. Just thinking about the goodness of the Lord, I want to sing to him to let him know how wonderful he is. The song says, I really love you. I really love you. Because you first love me. I really love you. Yes, I do. Yes. I really love you. I really love you, Jesus. Because you first love me. I really love you. Yes, I do. Yes.
Amen. Norman Hudson. Norman Hudson. I tell you, I really love you because you first love me. Amen. Amen. A beautiful song. I tell you, it is. So, if you just joined us, you're listening to LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing in time. Bible study. study. Yes. So we are talking about how God speaks to us today. Now we're going to go to back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. Because you know back then God spoke through prophets. So Exodus chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I make you as God to Pharaoh to declare my will and purpose to him. And Aaron, your brother, should be your prophet. You should speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, should tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his land. And I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn and hard and multiply my signs, my wonders, and miracles in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen to you, and I will lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my host, my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. So the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded them. So many people have a very limited understanding of the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is mainly seen as foretelling the future. Mm -hmm. And the prophets are those who have given their names to many books in the Bible. But the facts show us there are so much more than just writers. God used prophets for more reasons than a person would think. And prophecy is not only about making prophecies, it stands for much more. Amen. And that is true. The verses of Exodus 7, verse 1 through 6, shows the true work of a prophet, Moses, who is spoken of as a great prophet and was helped by his brother Aaron, who served as his spokesman. So Moses is like God to Aaron, who is the same as a prophet to Pharaoh. So the clear idea is that prophets do not make their own speeches, but only pass on what they have heard from who? From God. From God, that's right. A prophet is a man or a woman who speaks for God. Those words have authority, power, truth, because the message comes from who? God. It comes from God. from God. But the prophet may choose his or her own words to give that message. But God used this way of communicating, speaking with his prophet, speaking with his people a lot. So Amos pointed this out when he said, let's go to Amos Chapter 3 and verse 7. Amos. 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 It'd be Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. Okay. 
Surely the Lord God will do nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. That's in the Old Testament. Let's look at Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. But that when the days come, when the trumpet call of a seventh angel is about to be sounded, then God's mystery, his secret design, his hidden purpose, as he had announced the glad tidings to his servants, the prophets, shall be fulfilled, accomplished, and completed. Amen. So the Lord and the King never does anything without telling his servants the prophets about it. That's what we got to remember. That's now, the way the prophets can deliver it to his people. Exactly. That's why he always makes sure they knew what was going on, what was getting ready to happen, when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, so they could tell his people, prepare them. That's exactly. why. That's why they was always, God always makes sure that they the was always. The prophets knew so they can right. sound the alarm, basically right. let them know. So what does the Bible say about the use of the gift of prophecy after Old Testament times? And we're going to look at the following examples from the New Testament to show us what proof do they give us, give us its use. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Luke 1, 67. Luke chapter 1, and verse 67 said, Now Zechariah, his father, was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at Luke chapter 2. In verse 36, Luke chapter 2, verse 36, and there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her maidenhood. So she was a prophetess. These are prophets mentioned by name. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Now in the church assembly at Antioch, there were prophets inspired, interpreters of the will and purpose of God, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, black. Black, Lucius, of Syrene, uh, Manan, a member of the court of Herod, Herod, and the Tetric and Saul. Now, he said by name, the prophets. That's right. And that's something. So, that, 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 these prophets were mentioned by name in those scriptures. Now, to continuing the gift, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. So God has appointed some in the church for his own use. First, apostles, special messengers, 
second prophets, inspired preachers, and expounders, third teachers, then wonder workers, then those with ability to heal the sick, helpers, administrators, speakers in different unknown tongues. And these are continuing gifts. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. 14, 1 through 5. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose, and inspire preaching and teaching. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. God For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Remember that now. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose inspired, preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. Also, let me continue. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself, but he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching, with inspirations, edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. And verse 5 say, Now I wish that you might all speak in unknown tongues, but more especially I want you to prophesy, to be inspired to preach and interpret the divine will and purpose. He who prophesies who is inspired to preach and teach is greater, more useful, and more important than he who speaks in unknown mm-hmm. tongues, unless he should interpret what he says, so that the church may be edified and receive mm-hmm. good from it. Yes, amen. So, you have to remember that. These are gifts, <coughs> wonderful gifts. In other words, you know, we also can look at false prophets. So we're going to look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Second Peter. Second Peter, verse 2, verse 1. But also in those days, there arose false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among yourself who will subtly and stealthily introduce heretical doctrine, destructive heresies, even denying and disowning the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. 
Wow. Wow. So that so, means you, you got to know that word. You got to know that word. So you know if it's so a you'll, false prophet. Yeah, you'll know that they're false prophets. You'll know that they were sent from the enemy to mislead you, to misguide you. That's why you stay in his you, word. That's to right. To pull you back in the darkness. That's why you need to stay in that word, learn that word, so when they come, you'll know who they are. And they can't mislead you. They can't pull you back into uh, darkness again. You'll know God's word. you know what it says. Exactly. That's why we're going to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, 2 Timothy. Okay. And verse 14, 15, and 16. 3, 14. Mm -hmm. Okay. But as for you, Continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, knowing from whom you learned them and how from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and, and have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation which comes through faith in Christ Jesus through the learning of the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. And verse 16 says, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin, for correction, of error and discipline and obedience and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. Amen. So many of the things God has made known through his prophets in the past have been recorded in the Bible. But some of those messages from God were received by a few dozen people during a period of, of more than 1,500 years and were written down. Well, these writings were in our Bible. Jesus and the people in his time treasured the writings in the Old Testament. But today the Bible includes also the Gospels and the writings of the other apostles from the first period of the church. So you see how important it is important. that you can't be just a New Testament Christian. You've got to know the old so you can understand the new. Because a lot of the Old Testament is in the New Testament. Like he said, if, if he said the days will go back into the days of Noah, well, how would I know what was going on then if I don't go back to and the read, Old Testament and read, read the history read. of what they did back then. How would you know what not to do? That's correct. If you didn't go back and read the what history. they did do in the Old Testament. Amen. So it's important to have them both and read them both in order for you to know what would make God very unhappy with you. That's right. And we want to please God through faith. And we want to be obedient. And because they wasn't obedient in the Old Testament, in Noah's days, 
they will destroy. So That's he right. will do the same thing today as we continue in disobedience. And you can't tell God, well, God. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know because I was a New Testament Reader. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell God because he's going to say, I told you in my word, he that adds to my word, it will be added to his book of life. Mm -hmm. And he who he takes, takes away, away, it will be taken from his book of life. He said, now I told you that. That's right. So now you took away, it's going to be taken from you. There you so go. you can't tell God that. So, you know, as we think about the great things of God's word, we look into a fountain that goes deeper than our knowledge. And Thank as you. we watch the vision widens and we see a limitless sea of knowledge, such study has great power. So the mind and heart gain new strength and new life, because it does. It does, yes. It sure do. Yeah. You know, and this experience is the highest proof of God as the author of the Bible. We receive God's word as food for the soul in the same way we receive bread as food for the body. As you drink of this water, you'll never, never thirst, thirst again. again. So drink of this water so you'll never thirst anymore. He had right. told that. You know, there are more Bibles sold today than ever before, so there's no excuse. They got new versions for special groups of people, special groups, and it keeps showing up. We, they have Bible versions for beginners. They have versions for deeper study. And this is a good thing, but that does not mean that the Bible also is more widely read. Many Christians including all the Protestants, do not read the Bible. Many do not know their Bible as the people in the past once knew. But only our own rich can fail to study the Word of God regularly. This neglect is sad because the Bible has the power to speak to us afresh every time we open it. That's every right. time we open it. That's right. And she said, many read. Well, you need to study, not just read. That's right. God's word is bread to the soul. That's right. Study it. And just let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And just like you said, in the beginning, before all time, was the word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was present originally with God. God. Amen. So, getting letters from someone, you know, is on a regular basis can go a long way towards getting to know that person. That's the only way you'll get to know and God. There you go. Is to read that <laughs> Word. Everybody said, well, I, I, I want to get to know God better. We'll get into that word. Read That's that right. word. And you'll get to know him better. You'll build a personal relationship. And he'll build one with you. If that's what you want to know. And also, you're right. But you will not really know that person until you have spent time 
with face him. to face with That's him. Right, or and her. even uh, or her. So when you spend time talking to Christ, even in, in nature, you know, that's all his handiwork. It's beautiful. And we need to understand that commune time with him is so wonderful. But it's because of sin, God could no longer communicate and speak with us as he had done with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, they talked and walked in the cool of the day. Remember when? Every day. Every day. But see, he broke that communion when because they... Because of sin. Because of sin. They broke that. They lost that. Something that was very special to Adam and Eve, but they did not realize it until they broke it. Once yes, they it. broke it, you they realized... There was no going back. Well, there was no looking back. It was too late. Amen. It was too late. It was too late. So we don't want to do that with God. We want to keep it. We want to build it. We want to reconcile. Yeah, we want to right. continue to commune with him. Even though we may not see him face to face as he is, but through nature, through his word and conscience, he still talks to us. Let's, you know, like, go let's ahead. Put it like this. Mm -hmm. You may not see him now, but you but there is coming a day yeah. that you will. You will. Amen. You are preparing for that day. Don't That's worry it. about now, but worry about the day that you will look up on him face, face to, to face. face. Amen. You know, the exact exact wording of John 1-1 is important. John does not say that God showed himself in the flesh, but John also does not say that Jesus showed up in the flesh. Rather, John says that Jesus became flesh at a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. came from above and became flesh. That means he accepted becoming a human. The fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal forever without end, Son of God became flesh for our salvation is probably the basic teaching of all Christian churches. Oh, amen. I, because I, he was already, he was, he came, he became flesh. And, you know, when you think about that, you know, when he was in heaven and became flesh for us. For our sake. To save us. To save us. From our own mess. Our sin. own sin. He now, that's love. That's that's the love, as he said. There ain't nothing but love. There ain't nothing but love. There ain't nothing but love. Nothing but love. And he wants us to love in the same way. That love, that unconditional love, the that no matter way. what, he's going to love us. But we want to be obedient so we can see him face to, to face. face. That's the only way you're going to be able to look him. And live. And live. That's right. And Amen. Live. When he comes through those clouds, if you're not like that, you're going to disintegrate. You know, and you right. go. Because of sin. Because of sin. So we just want to thank you so much for joining us once again for End Time Bible Study as we talked about how God speaks to us today. We're going to play a song, come back with closing comments, prayer, 
and our email address. Keep it locked in on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing in Time Bible Study. A change, a change has come over me. He changed my life. Now I'm free. Jermaine is coming at this time.
change. A wonderful change. When you get to know Jesus, that's what happens. A wonderful change comes over you. Amen. So our closing comment tonight is God uses many ways to make himself known to us and bring us into fellowship with him. Nature speaks to our senses about God without stopping. The open heart will be impressed with the love and glory of God as shown through the works of his hands. The listening ear can hear and understand the communications of God through the things of nature. The green fields, the tall trees, the buds and the flowers like we talked about, the passing cloud, the falling rain, the rushing brook, the glories of the heavens speaks to our heart and they invite us to better know the God who made them all. Amen. Amen. And so now we have closing prayer. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing, and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. 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 And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, you can always email us if you have Bible questions or you need prayer at R-O-D-T-G-I-N-A-50 at gmail.com. And remember, we come on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. From 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And you can always check us out on all the podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, your Amazon Music, Spreaker, and more. We thank you so much for always joining us. And may God continue to bless you richly. And have a blessed night. Good night.